Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for August 22nd. My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 2-1 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. How is everyone doing today? Are we enjoying August mag- madness? August is usually like a dead month. Like right now, I was thinking about this when I was on my run this morning. I would usually be doing my fantasy football prep, my horse racing stuff, and my preseason football betting. But now, with the way stuff has changed now, I mean, we have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Actually, betting MLB, because anyone that follows me knows, after All-Star break, I shut every MLB thing down. I have a few system things I like to do. If there's like a certain farm pitcher, pitcher coming up from the minor leagues I like going, I'll bet him. But usually I wouldn't be betting MLB now, and I'm betting MLB this deep. So there's a lot more sports going on and me being invested in than I'm normally used to, which is great. We have a nice little betting card today. We have NBA, NHL, MLB, UFC, NASCAR, horse racing, Xfinity. So, I mean... Having this much sports to invest in, bet on, and watch is great, and I will give every sport but MLB props. They're doing a phenomenal job, and NHL, NBA have been great, NASCAR, great, UFC, great, horse racing, great. Everything is going well. MLB, I'm still really not a fan of what they're doing until they start policing the players more. I really think they should have swallowed their pride and gone to an unbubble-like situation, but, you know... Rob Manfield is an idiot, so what can you do? But anyway, you know, we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk a little NBA, touch on NHL betting, see how that's going, talk a little bit about the betting game in general, plus Sterling from Silver Star Sports comes by, and we're going to be finishing up our division-by-division preview of the NFL. If you guys aren't following Silver Star Sports, make sure you give him guys a follow. He's one of the best sports handles to follow in Instagram and Twitter, break stuff down, you can ask them questions, and a lot of the guys on these platforms, they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? They are very, my way is the only way. Instead of having a conversation with you, they'll just call you dumb. I'll never forget, I laid out the reasons why I dislike Sam Darnold, and one guy on here on these platforms who begged me to follow him, which eventually I did, his rebuttal to me was, oh, you guess you don't watch enough Sam Darnold film. Obviously, he doesn't know who I'm talking to. I'm not going to go through all my credentials. But anyone that knows me and has seen the numbers I've put up betting NFL, and ESPN had me on as an NFL analysis before I got my little spat with CC. So obviously, I know what the hell I'm talking about. So, I mean, for you to just say, I don't know what I'm doing, come on, dude. Have a dialect with me what about, about people. But... Silver Star is that guy. He'll have a dialect. He'll tell you his point of view, and you can have a back and forth. We may not always agree, but at least it's an educated back and forth where I can see his points and he can see my points. So if you guys aren't following Silver Star, make sure you follow him. Great, great follow. And, uh, you know, let's jump right into it. Let's jump into the NBA. I'm going to go series by series, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on pretty much every series and where it's going. Uh, The Bucks and Magic. They're tied up at one game apiece. Game three is obviously later on today on Saturday. The layoff has totally affected this Bucks team. They were playing great at such a high level, running up and down the court, great defense, great offense, hitting threes, energetic, playing with fun. And 
when you have that much momentum and then having a break, that's totally stopped everything. And they're totally struggling. And they need something to happen for them to get that edge back. Chris Middleton is very is struggling. If Middleton's not making shots and looking to be aggressive offensively, this team's not going to get past Miami. I mean, Miami's going to give them all they can handle. And they have to be able to make threes. Granted, they looked a lot better in the, in the second game. Lopez hit some threes. Cunnington played great. But still, they need Middleton to at least be somewhat what he was to get them over that hump. In terms of the Magic, Magic are just a nice team. Like, they just don't have that one pit bull. Case in point, anyone that saw my post, I talked about Kyle Lowry pour gasoline on himself, run through hell to get a, to get a win. When the Magic played the Raptors, Lowry hurt Aaron Gordon, and they were so polite to him. I think they sent him a, a, a gift basket. I mean, I have never seen a team overall be as soft as the Orlando Magic are. I like James Enos. I think he's a great piece on a championship team. But they need toughness on that team. And right now, they just don't have any toughness on that team. They have great pieces with Fournier, Aaron Gordon, once he's healthy, um... Terrence Ross, a spark off the bench to give you some points. Um, Vudicek's a big guy. Isaacs, but unfortunately he's hurt. But they just need that little, that that toughness, that that grit guy, like a Pat Beverly, Jay Crowder. Like, they need that type of dude if this team wants to get off the plateau they're on. And they're kind of like, with what they have right now, they've reached their peak. So, you know, they definitely need to get that little grit guy. Um, he are up 2 on the Pacers. He have been shooting great. Let's face it. Anyone can shoot great when there's no pressure on him. The Heat have yet to have any game pressure in the playoffs. Now, our Duncan Robinson hero going to be able to knock down shots when the pressure's on? I don't know. And no one really knows. And hopefully the Pacers can make a little bit of a, a series out of it today and put a little pressure on them. But from what I've seen from the Pacers, they just aren't being crisp with their ball movement. And did anyone else notice, anytime anyone falls down, everyone rushes to him. But when Oladipo falls down, no one's rushing to him. There, I saw the three times in the game they played, I believe on Thursday, where he got fouled and was knocked down. And no one on the, from the Pacers rushed up to help him up. That tells me there's some underlying issues and that the Oladipo era will be coming to an end sooner rather than later at the... In Indiana, there's been rumors about him going down to Miami, which, I mean, dude, lose to Miami and go, go, okay, I get it. But anyway, I really think that this is the end with Oladipo. I like Nick McMillan as a coach. I really think he's going to be able to scheme. The shooting of the Heat will come back down to earth, and Miles Turner will have a bigger game today. So I do like the Pacers to win today. But in terms of the series, I mean, I, I know I told you guys to bet the Pacers, but from what I'm seeing, I just don't see it. I think the Heat are going to win this in six games. And part of being an executive and a coach is putting the right pieces around your star. We can all agree that Jimmy Butler is the star of this team. And you need to be a thick-skin person to coach Jimmy Butler. And that's what Spolster is. Spolster can say, hey, you know what? I've won this many titles. As soon as you win a title, we can do it your way. But Spolster has that pedigree where he's a tough, thick-skinned guy. And you say, look, this is what I've done. This is the way we're going to do it. And props to Riley. He hasn't given 
Butler, those prima donna number one pick guys. Like you look what Butler had in Minnesota, he had those number one picks, and they're used to being the best player. Um, the Wiggins, the the Cat, Towns, and now you look at what he has in Miami. He has those guys that have always had to work for it, like Butler has, and are grit guys. Those are the guys you need with Jimmy Butler. So props to Riley, props to Prostra. This Heat team, I don't think they have enough talent to win it all, but they're going to make it a very interesting series with the Bucks. and if they get through the Bucks, they'll fight with Toronto and Boston. So at the beginning, I was really confident with Milwaukee going through the East, but from what I've seen, I mean, that's going to be a dogfight of a second series against Miami, and Miami's played in cuff this year. Boston's up 3-0 on Philadelphia. Um, from those of you that have seen it, I've gone back to posting my five things from the night before. Obviously, where does Philly go from here? I mean, I posted it at the beginning of the week. The process is over. It's hard to mess up as many young assets as Philadelphia had, but they did. So what do they do? Do they trade Embiid? Do they trade Simmons? They're tied to, to Tobias Harris and Al Hartford worth an insane amount of money. And no one's going to want those contracts. So what they needed, shooters and floor spacers, they didn't get. They want Tobias Harris, who's a great NBA, who's a good NBA player and a potential all-star when he plays on a shitty team. But when he's on a good team, he can't be like your third option. So Philly's in a really strange space. It's going to be really interesting to see what's happened. And with Boston, Toronto, yeah, Bucks, if um, Giannis stays, obviously. Um, Miami, you can argue the 76ers window is already closed. So that's too bad. Um, also, whoever comes in there, they need to get Embiid a nutritionist and basically a babysitter. This guy, people say he's a top 10 player in the league, but I look at it like he's out of shape. And he doesn't elevate guys around them. You look at people compare him to Shaq. Shaq elevated people around him. Embiid doesn't. Embiid's bitching about coaches, bringing people down. Embiid is never going to be the face of the franchise. He's never going to be that guy unless he changes his ways that's going to take a franchise over, over the level. So I, they're obviously going to fire Brent Brown and then... With the, I think the Simmons and Bede experiment's over, and they probably move one of them. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Boston, obviously, out of every team, if you're going to make power rankings, they're playing the best right now. But I think that's a combination of Philly just being so god-awful and not being good defensively. I mean, Philly was up in the game last night and should have won that game. But Boston, given props, came back. I still have questions, is Kemba going to be able to perform in a pressure playoff moment because he's never been there before? Also, I really think the loss of Hayward long-term is going to hurt this team because that's going to be another rotational piece, another rotational guy you don't have that everyone's going to have to step up. Yes, it makes things easier for Tatum where Tatum's touches aren't being cut into by Hayward, but when Tatum's out, where is Hayward? Where is that offense going to be coming from? So... I think this team right now is playing the best, but as we saw last year, it's not about who's playing the best in the first round. It's about who's playing at best in the later rounds.
but I will say this, that Boston-Toronto series, oh my God. I have not been this excited about a second-round NBA playoff series in a while. That Lowry-Smart matchup is going to be insane. Um, Raptors are up 3-0 on the Nets. Props to the Raptors, first time ever that they've ever been up 3-0 in a playoff series. And I'm not going to lie, if Drake had zero affiliation with this team, I would like this team a lot. But my hatred for Drake makes me hate the Toronto Raptors. And if I was an NBA GM, if I'm LeBron James, let me replace, if I'm LeBron James, I'm looking at my roster, I say, hey, I want Kyle Lowry. Because Lowry is that guy. If Lowry played with the Lakers, Lakers would be one of the best teams ever. That's how much Kyle Lowry elevates everyone around him. Because with him, he will complain to the refs. He'll get a charge. He'll die for the loose ball. And he doesn't need to take many shots. He'll pass open. Guys, he'll get everyone involved. He just knows what it takes to win. Like my analogy is, he will pour gasoline over himself and run through hell to get a goddamn playoff victory. Lakers have no one like that on their team right now. In fact, there's few guys in the NBA like that at all. That's why Lowry is such a valuable piece to this Toronto team. And they're playing great. Again, like I said on my NBA bubble preview with Gino Bacala, I just don't know who's going to be able to take that last shot. So hypothetically, they're down by two. Who's Nurse running the play for? Who's he diagramming the play for? Who's getting that last shot? I don't know. But I can tell you this. Defensively, this is the best defensive team in the playoffs. Their ability to keep everyone in front of them, and they have that championship pedigree after what happened last year, and they have Nick Nurse, who is arguably already in the top tier of coaches in the NBA with Spolstra, Popovich, and Stevens. I mean, this is going to be an insanely tough out. Um, props to the Nets. The Nets are insanely overachieving right now. I was totally wrong. I thought they were going to shit the bet. I didn't think they were going to win a game, but credit where credit is due to Jock Vaughn. He's got this team motivated, has them playing well. Granted, let me backtrack. They were one shot away. Levert had a game winner to send the Blazers out of the playoffs. So this team is obviously playing hard for Vaughn. Do I think Vaughn earned an opportunity to be the coach next year? Yeah, of course he did. Do I think he'll get the opportunity? No. I think they're so worried about making Lowry, not Lowry, Irving happy, they're going to sign Ty Lue as a coach because Lou is Irving's guy. They got Durant, but I'm just not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Irving's a weird dude. Durant is a sensitive guy. He got pissed about most space being tweered, cheered more than he did. I could see this Nets team completely, completely being a disaster next year. They have Joe Harris. Obviously, they've made no secret about it. He's the guy they want to sign. He's their top free agent priority, but so is everybody else's. Like, a shooter, yeah, in this NBA, he's going to demand a lot of money. He's like a modern-day J.J. Reddit. Um, And then at center position, they got DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. I mean, obviously, I'm not really sure what direction they'll go. I would personally go Allen, but, I mean, they're obviously going to go Jordan just because as soon as Vaughn was made coach, Jordan is starting, and Jordan is best friends with Durant and Irving, so that is their guys. So, obviously, Allen is a great piece that they can move. They got Levert. They got Spencer Dimwitty. So, I mean, they have a lot of players, but I just don't really know how they're all going to mesh, and is Lou really going to be that good of a leader? I mean, I really think... 
that was all LeBron, not Lou, at that championship that they won in Cleveland. Uh, now we're going to ship over to the Western Conference. Western Conference, Lakers and Portland are 1-1. Everyone was saying how LeBron James was having trouble in the bubble. The Lakers had issues in the bubble. LeBron wanted to leave. And then look at Game 2. I mean, let's not get it twisted. What the Portland Trailblazers did was a great story. They came in motivated. They won out. They won. They got into the playoffs. Good for them. But a lot of the times when we look at sports, we get caught in the now, not the whole situation. If you look at Portland from whole pieces of work, every single game, they can't defend. They can't defend. And when you can't defend, like, it just makes it insanely hard. They'll have to be knocking down shots. And if their threes aren't hitting, or if Dame or McCullough or Mello have an off game, it's going to be really hard for them to win this series. And their lack of defense is just way too glaring. AD had a great first, second game, awful first game. I'm really looking forward to this third game tonight because, as you guys know, games three and five, those are always swing games in the series. And it's just going to be interesting to see what, um, what we see from, from the Trailblazers and what adjustments they make. Dame has a hurt finger. CJ's got a broken back. I just, with how much injuries and how shorthanded the Blazers are and how good AD and the Lakers are, I just don't see the Blazers winning the series, winning more than two games, six-game series at most. But long-term, Lakers are going to be in a dogfight, whoever they play in that second-round matchup, especially especially if it's the Rockets. Like, they just, yeah, like they, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. And with Danny Green struggling, and I've told you guys about playoff Danny Green, you got Pope, I could really see the Lakers losing second round. <laughs> like, now with how the, good the Rockets are playing. But so the Lakers, with their lack of shot makers for other people, let's call them, I, I really think are going to struggle. Rockets thunder. Rockets are up a shocking 2-0. Rockets look great defensively. I mean, they are playing some of the best defense I've ever seen a, a Houston Rockets team play. And I'm not going to lie, I really thought their window was closed. But they added Westbrook. And like I said, on, the, on the, my bubble preview with Tino Bacala, and that's what Jeech said podcast, I was really interested in this team. And they've exceeded my expectations defensively. They're knocking down threes. And when you have Harden with four shooters and you space them out, Jesus, they look good. They look really good. They're, they're, they're a dangerous team. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what adjustments Billy Donovan is going to make. And I will call Billy Donovan out like I did on social media. He had to do a better job in the second game of managing the momentum. I understand wanting to sit on timeouts, but what's the point of sitting on timeouts if at the end of the game, it's already, the game's already decided? So now you have two timeouts. What do you fucking do? You can't. You're out of the game. It makes zero sense to me. So you have to do a better job managing the timeouts. Donovan should have burned through his timeouts, honestly. He had two at the beginning of the fourth. He should have, he should have used one. Once they got down seven, that's when he should have took that timeout. Um, and also, they got to run more for Gallinari in the post. I mean, I understand why I do the pick and roll with him. But when you have a team that's so small, you have to take advantage of they were They had Gallinari down there, but he's doing fadeaway jump shots. Like, no, no, no. You're a big-ass dude. You have James Harden guarding you. 
bang the ball down on the ground, put, back him up, and get the bucket. That has to do a better job of that. Nuggets, Jazz, Jazz are up 2-1. Nuggets have looked awful the last two games, and it's to the point now we really have to question Miller. Is he really going to be the guy? And I don't know. I understand they're missing Burton and Harris, but when you have Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, and Jamal Murray, that's enough to get past a shorthanded Portland team. And when you lose by a combined 56 points in games two and three, that speaks a lot. And I personally think they should have beat Portland in that seventh game. And a lot of it went on to some coaching decisions that he made. And now I'm seeing this. I'm really starting to question if he's the guy to take this Denver team to the next level. Because Denver, Denver's got some good young pieces. Murray, Harris, Jokic, Bulbul. I Denver's interesting, but they need that guy that will elevate. And I really don't think that Mike Malone's the guy. Mark Malone's the guy. So I'm really disappointed with what I've seen from them. I thought they could have been a dark horse team to sneak out of. I actually picked them in the Bucks at the beginning of the playoffs. But Jesus Christ, after what I've seen from the Bucks and the Nuggets, second round, I think, exit for the Bucks, first round exit for the Nuggets. Jazz, I mean, Quinn is that guy. Quinn never gets enough credit for doing what he does. He's without... Braganovich, 20 points, 40% shooter, changes the offense around, a lot more pick and roll. And how good is Joe Ingles with that pick and roll? He is the slowest guy I've seen that is as effective with a pick and roll as he is. Quinn Snyder gets so much out of these guys. It is, it, it, it's phenomenal. And like I said, I like this team at the beginning of the year, and they're, they're playing better ball. And the Gobert-Mitchell issues haven't steamed their head yet, which I thought they would. So I will give Snyder all the credit in the world. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the league. And, I mean, that's going to be whoever the Jazz and Nuggets play, whoever the Jazz play in the second round, it's going to be a real tough out for them. Um, and next, lastly, we're going to talk about the Clippers-Mavs real quick. Um, I just still can't believe that. I mean, we had the under 118.5 yesterday. And there were 76 points scored in the freaking second quarter. How the fuck is that possible in playoff basketball? Clippers have all these great wing defenders, allegedly. Allegedly. And they're giving up that many points to the Mavericks? Mavericks can't defend, and they want to beat the, the Clippers? And they're giving up that they, what, they get 42 points? They give up 42 fucking points in the second quarter? How the fuck is that even possible? I mean, Jesus. I, I That was just a poor defense. I still... That's probably one of the worst beats I've had in a while. And it, it's part of the game. You just got to smile. But it is what it is. Um, Clippers, obviously, their two big worries is Patrick Beverly defensively. He's kind of like Kyle Lowry. He'll run through hell with gasoline on to get a win. But if he's hurt and can't be the, mount, the head of the snake with the defense, everyone's going to take a step back, and their defensive effort isn't going to be as good. Um, and then you got playoff P. I mean... I posted it today. He is struggling like no other. And for some guy that was supposed to be, quote, unquote, the man, quote, unquote, a top 10 player in the league, I think Scottie Pippen, didn't Scotty say he was like a top 10 player in the league? I mean, how can you be a top 10 player in the league 
and put up those numbers, I don't know. But you look at the numbers he, he has going on, he is 31% from the floor, 24% three-pointer, 17 points a game, seven, po- seven rebounds a game, and four assists a game. I talked about it with his poor shooting in the, in the end of the shot clock, under four seconds on the shot clock. But, I mean, this is bad also. And if the Clippers are serious about winning a championship and they're built to win a championship now, they need a lot more from him because Kawhi can't carry a team. I mean, you have to remember with those Raptors teams last year, Lowry and Van Bleek were hitting shots. If George isn't hitting, Clippers aren't winning. Leonard's going to get his, but they need someone else out there. Um, And turning the Mavericks... Mavericks are another team. They, they just have a bunch of nice guys. They just need that grit guy. Like if they had Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder would be a great signing for the Mavericks. Or one of the Morris brothers. One of those guys. Just a great signing, a great grit guy. That's what they're missing. Luka's been great. I mean, he's already a top five player in the league. And he's just going to get better. And it just amazes me how the Suns didn't pick him. And picked it um, Aiken the big guy from Arizona, and then how the Hawks, like, Trey Young, like, really? Like, in what world is Luka not better than Trey Young? And when we're evaluating these pieces, these players that are coming in, it's important to remember the different levels. Um, when you look at where Luka played, that's like AAA. So he's putting up those numbers as an 18-year-old in AAA overseas in Europe's top league. You have to kind of understand that level of basketball. A lot of people have come at me because I've been adamant. I don't think Lamelo is going to be that great in the NBA. I think Trey Young is his ceiling. And he needs to work to get there. And that Aussie basketball league, yes, it's a pro basketball. That's like double A ball. So, yes, he averaged 18 points or whatever. But that's double A ball if you're looking at in baseball references. His jump shot, his release point is too low. So thus it'll give defenders an easier chance to block it. I just feel he's just not going to take the coaching and he's going to be an uphill battle. So, you know, I just kind of ventured off into a LaMelo Ball NBA draft thing. And for my Pistons, I think it's great because I think LaMelo is going to go higher than he should now. So, but, you know, I'll have a uh, breakdown of the NBA draft later. Um, Needless to say, the first week of the NBA playoffs has been great and it's been profitable nba restart i mean where are we at we're over 35 units i mean who the hell is putting up over 35 units with one to four unit plays all my plays are posted for free and then you look at my nhl stuff nhl we're plus 66.895 units so i mean i'm out here i'm giving you guys stuff away for free yes i do charge but I just felt with the COVID-19 and the uncertainty, it was just very unprofessional and very um, tacky to charge. So if you're looking for someone for betting and no bullshit and just give plays out and a professional post to betting, I'm your guy. I'm not going to start any drama. People talk shit with me all the time. I just kind of don't care. I mean, my track record speaks for itself, and I understand why these guys are trying to talk shit to try to give street credit to themselves. I get it. 
So that's why I kind of ignore the people that try to talk shit because I really don't care. Um, NHL, like I said, you know, we're going to have two plays tonight. Um, I already have locked them in. I haven't posted them yet. I'll post them shortly. And also our star's future is still alive. So in terms of the NBA, NHL restart, it's been great. Um, MLB, you know, we're a little bit in the red. I mean, Jesus, we lost two fifth inning unders last night because of runs in the fifth inning. But, you know, we'll turn it around. You know, we always do. We'll turn it around. Um, so, yeah, and just remember, come I'm shooting for NFL right now, but, you know, it keeps changing with the uncertainty of the COVID-19. What a lot of people don't realize is I refunded a shit ton of money, 5600 bucks, when this COVID stuff hit because it was the right thing to do. I'm not going to have you guys sit on money you guys pay me when I'm doing anything. So you guys can ask any one of my subs, their money was refunded. And that was such a pain in the ass. I don't want to go through it again. That's why I'm not taking any memberships until I have some sort of certainty, some sort of quote-unquote vision when I see a light at the end of the rainbow in terms of this COVID-19 stuff, when sports will be back. So now I would like to welcome Sterling from Silver Star Sports back to the show where we're continuing our NFL division-by-division breakdown. Sterling, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm going to watch some NBA later, try to watch my Orlando Magic make it 2-0 of Milwaukee Bucks. And I, trying to also watch LeBron, see if he can get his Lakers together. I mean, you know, you just had to, me being a Bucks season ticket holder, you just had to turn that knife, get that magic win in on me, didn't you? Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, like, it was just, I was watching that game, and this is what, after watching the games yesterday, I mean, I really, at first I thought Milwaukee was coming out, but I think whoever wins that Toronto-Boston series is coming out. I mean, Toronto's got Lowry, who literally, like, I don't know if you saw my post today, I said he would pour gasoline on himself and run through hell to win a playoff game. And Marcus Smart's the same way. And Milwaukee, they just don't have any, they don't have one person like that on their team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's funny you mentioned Marcus Smart. He's literally my favorite non-star player in the NBA because he was just—he's just a guy I would love to have on my team. You know, makes the right pass, the extra pass every time, takes the charge. Um, always like hyping his teammates up. Like uh, every time I watch Marcus Smart, I fall more in love with his game. But I mean, like it's just, like you mentioned. It's just kind of like doing the little things. Like okay, try to take a charge. Complaining with the reps about not getting a call. Um, someone falls on the floor, first one there to help him up. Diving for a loose ball. You know what I mean? Him and Lowry do that stuff so well. And it just propels the team to better things. And, I mean, I just I, right now I just feel whoever wins that is coming out of the East. I mean, something may change, but I don't know. Um, Lakers, dude, like, Jesus. Like... They just don't have anybody else that can create for somebody. And they had some guy who was just off the bench. Like, who was that dude who was checking Davis in the second half? Wayne whoever? Some undrafted guy is supposed to be ch- checking a top five player in the NBA. And he, what, how many points did he have in the second half? Like, f- seven? You know what I mean? Like, Lakers could be in some difficulties. So, I mean, so far, NBA has been fun. Have you, have you watched any of the NHL, man? Um, I haven't really gotten a chance to. It's not really 
on in my area too much. Um, I gotta definitely tune in though. I know my lightning has been winning. Yeah, I mean they're looking good. They're looking good. Um, all right, so let's dive into the north. Before we dive into the north, I just want to say thank you for coming on. You know, you're in the midst of moving into a new place, doing model shoots on your personal Instagram account, and working. So you know, just thanks for coming on and do this stuff. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been really fun, and I look forward to it each week, even with life going on. So let's start with um, the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are twenty-five to one to win the Super Bowl, eleven to one to win the NFC, uh, plus one fifty. So one and a half to one to win the North, and with an over/under of nine. Total offense, they were eighth. Passing offense, twenty-third. Rushing offense, six. Total defense, fifth. Passing defense, 15th. Rushing defense, 13th. Where do you sit with these Minnesota Vikings? Um, I'd say in a year where continuity is going to matter so much more than previous years, it helps to have this like veteran Vikings defense. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Clearly they lost some pieces with Everson Griffin and Xavier Rhodes, but I think Mike Zimmer and his system can get this defense to produce at a high level. Uh, yet again. So, for that reason, I like the Vikings. And then offensively, yes, they lost Diggs, but I still think um, they know their identity more so than any other team in the league. They're going to run the ball, uh, conserve clock, get the most out of the ground game, and then Kirk Cousins is going to hit his throws for the most part. He's going to play at an above average level. So, I, I like the Vikings this year. I have them going 10 and 6 and Ooh. winning the North, actually. I actually have them going seven and nine. Um, as you know, everyone knows, I love offensive line play. And if I was going to hire one person to be my offensive line coach, it would be Rick Dennison. And Dennison happens to be taking over for um, up in Minnesota. And him and Kubiak have always produced great running backs. That would be Adrian Foster, um, who was the guy before Foster, Slayton. I mean, they just kind of get these guys. So even if Cook doesn't go, which is a good possibility that Cook doesn't go, he just shows up, plays the one game, and then sits out so he can get the money. Whoever that running back is in the Kubiak-Denison system is going to produce. So I'm not really worried about their running game. I am kind of worried about, and you and I touched on about about it when we did our Vikings breakdown of the draft, who's going to play the slot, Jefferson or Adam Thielen? I don't know. I feel whoever doesn't play the slot, is going to have a long year. What do you think? Yeah, that's the... Uh, yeah, I definitely mentioned that in my draft, and I know we talked about that. So that's the one thing I'm worried about. But I think they'll be able to get production out of both them. I mean, albeit not as high as they could have been if they were full-time in the slot, one of them. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely I feel good about Madison. My fantasy football sleeper, I had Dalvin Cook. Okay. Or Madison, like I just put a slash in between them because if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, then Madison I think can produce like a top ten to fifteen running back. Yeah, I mean like better. hell, I think yeah. my I think my fat ass could run for a thousand yards and six TDs behind in a Denison system. <laughs> so, I mean, I just think yeah. it's the system is just going to produce whoever's going to produce back there. Obviously, if it's Cook, I have Cook three on my rankings. If it's not yeah. Cook and Madison, I'll have Madison as a top ten back just because. It is the system. I'm a little worried about the slot, like we just mentioned. 
and they're incorporating a lot of young players, especially in that back four. How is that going to trend? How is that going to progress throughout the season? Because I mean, if you look, they they have the Vikings, Colts, and Titans to open up the season. I mean, oh sorry, they have the Packers, Colts, Vikings to open up the season. That could easily be a one and two start. Um, so I mean, I just wonder how those young guys in the back are gonna are gonna look. Um, and you hit on the head. Who's gonna be rushing the passer because they lost. Everson Griffin, so God only knows what's going to happen with the pass rusher. Um, I actually have them going seven and nine, and believe it or not, missing the playoffs. And Zimmer's on the hot seat. Okay, because uh, my bold prediction was they win the North and they're a second away from NFC Championship, win, oh. but they lose on the last second field. Because my buddy, who's a huge Vikings fan, he calls Mike Zimmer every other year. So this is going to be the down year. Um, I put my sleeper, I just put it as Jefferson. I think they're going to put Jefferson in the slot to try to make it easier for the rookie, and he'll get the the better matchups, and Thielen will be drawing the outside cornerbacks. Who would you put as your sleeper? Um, or I put Cook or Madison, just okay. whichever one, because whoever gets it. Because I feel like Cook, he's going, he was going sixth in most of the drafts I had, which obviously that's not really a sleeper, but still. I feel like he has the potential to be running back one if he plays the full year. Yep. And then um, I, I think he'd easily running back one. I don't really – I think that the running scheme – actually, I know the running scheme that was incorporated last year was all Kubiak and not Skavansky. So it's like everyone thinks the running game is going to miss a beat with Skavansky not there. I think it's actually going to be better with Skavansky not going to be there just because it'll be the pure Kubiak system and him calling the plays, and now Dennison is the offensive line coach. Um, I put my my bust as Thielen. Like I said, he can't play on the outside, and I think he's just going to get eat up. Yeah. I, I put Thielen as well, except I just think his efficiency is going to go down because I feel like he still will warrant a large target share mm-hmm. in this offense uh, just because he's like their only – true veteran receiver who's produced. So he'll still get the touches and he'll still get receptions and yards, but I don't know, just in terms of his pr- production and or efficiency, he'll just drop a lot. So, yeah, he's still my bust, though. Now let's move on to America's team, the pride of the prairie, the Detroit Lions. The Lions are 66-1 to to win the Super Bowl, 30-1 to to win the NFC, 6-1 to to win the North, over under six and a half wins. Offense, total offense last year, 18th. Passing offense, a shockingly 10th. Rushing, 21st. Defensively, 26th in total defense. Passing defense, 32nd. Rushing defense, 21st. Where do you have my Detroit Lions? Uh, your Detroit Lions are an interesting case study just because they were definitely not one of the worst three teams in the league last year. They shouldn't have been there. But injuries to Matthew Stafford and just uh, bad momentum uh, made it that type of season. So I'll be interested to see what they do this year. Right now I have them at 7-9. and Because um, I think Matthew Stafford is just so talented and such an underrated uh, talent that he'll elevate this offense to new levels. But I'm still worried about that defense. I know they got Jeff Okuda, and he's 
ready to play in the NFL right now. But I don't know. As you said, 26, they got a long way to come. And I'm just not a Matt Patricia guy. He hasn't shown me anything in his tenure that makes me really believe in this team to go to the next level, you know. So I'm just kind of iffy about your team. So hear me out. Just, just, just hear me out, okay? Just hear me out. So what they finished 10th in passing offense with Matt Stafford missing how much of the year last year, okay? So I think their offense was insanely good with without with missing and I feel a top 10 quarterback in the league. I feel Stafford is insanely undervalued and he's just going to elevate everyone around him to better cuz we saw how much the team struggled when the when the other guys were in there. Correct? Then I mean they they played they lost to the Chiefs 34 to 30. They lost to the Vikings, thirty to forty-two. If I told you the Lions would put up thirty on the Vikings, you would think they won the game, correct? So oh, yeah, obviously their offense is kicking and isn't the issue. Their their defense was the issue. They brought in all those pieces from, I mean, basically the the older guys from um, the Packers. They brought in a new no from the Patriots. They brought in the new DC from the um, Eagles. They have a new defensive coordinator, Corey Yundin, and he's going to be rushing the passer more, running more blitz teams, which I which Patricia didn't do last year because he was calling the defenses. So I think just on that, I think they're going to be create more havoc up front, and then their offensive line. They brought in. Hank Fraley to be the new offensive line coach. And you got me turned around on Jonah Jackson, man. I'm a Jonah Jackson guy now. You hyped him up to me when he did our post-draft analysis. I think he's going to start at guard. They re-signed um, Decker. They brought in Vitae from the Eagles. And Frank the Tank, the center, Regal, he was a top 10 center according to um, PFF. So I think their offensive line, this is going to be Stafford's best offensive line he's ever had. So I just think everything is clicking right now for Detroit. And I also... Could, I could see that. I wouldn't be surprised. Also, at the same time, though, there's a, that's a lot of moving pieces between the, the new coordinators and the new uh, offensive line coaches with little time to implement everything. So I don't and, know. It could go either way. And one, and one more thing why I have them going 11-5 and five. And this is going to sound crazy because never would I thought I would say this. I feel the Lions have the least dysfunction going on right now. Okay? No, no. Just hear me out. The Vikings lost all those guys in the back. And you want Cook, who doesn't even know if he's going to play, and he wants a new contract. So that's Minnesota. We'll touch on the rodgers LaFleur thing later. And the Trubisky and Foles thing later when we talk about the Bears and Packers. So it's in, with dysfunctionality, this team has the least. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's it's rare. Rare you ever get to say that. But I, yes, you are right. <laughs> so I have them going eleven and five. My bold prediction: winning the division and finally Stafford wins a playoff game. Uh, wow. Okay, eleven and five. That's I don't know if that's that's some bias in there too. Maybe. But. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, I, I could also see it. I don't, I don't think it's like out of the question. Um, I have them going six and ten, and okay. Patricia's fired. So. Oh, or, no, no, seven and nine. Sorry, and Patricia's Patricia. still fired. Okay. Um, who do you have as the bust? Bust. I like Carry On Johnson, but drafting Swift so early in the second round thinks they want to move more towards him, and he's already such a good running back. I feel like. So I think he'll just take most of the touches. Um, he's a much better receiver. So, I don't know. They'll, by the end of the year, it will be Swift's job, I feel like. See, I have Swift as my bust. You and I talk about Twitter a lot. One of the things you never should do is fantasy football Twitter. Because now on fantasy football Twitter, DeAndre Swift is Alvin Kamara 2.0. And in my eyes, that's just a way unrealistic comparison i don't think he's going to get that many receptions and they're talking about having bo scarborough be the goal line back so he could vulture touches so i'm just not buying the swift hype train um who do you have as a sleeper uh matt stafford i feel like he's i've gotten more hype on him recently i feel like more people are realizing he's underrated um but still i feel like in fantasy football terms um People don't think to pick Matt Stafford, and he'll probably go like late, like QB twelve or something like that. But I think this year he could really blow up as they focus the offense around him and him being healthy again. So I mean, he's my sleeper. I have Stafford as number nine, believe it or not, on my fantasy football rankings. Um, now the guy I went with is I just went with Marvin Jones. I just feel. He's always gets his. Consistent. Yep. He's just consistent. He's not going to have the flat, like the week after week, like, oh my God, look at this. But he's kind of like a poor man's Jarvis Landry, I guess I'd say. Like, you look yeah. at the end of the year and you're like, oh shit, he was a top 20 wide receiver. How the hell did that happen? You know, I just kind of feel like he's just that under the radar guy that is Mr. Consistency. Um, so now. Let's dive in to the Chicago Bears. The Bears are 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 20 to 1 to win the North. No, sorry, to win the NFC. Four and a quarter to one to win the North, over under of eight wins. Offensively, they're 29th in total offense, 25th in passing offense, 27th in rushing offense. Defensively, they were fourth in total, ninth in passing, and ninth in rushing. What? Where do you stand with these Bears? Well, the Bears missed their championship window, and it feels like they've been paying for it ever since. Um, they still have a roster that's good enough that it can be a playoff contender, but personally, I doubt their chances. Um, if you look around the division, you've got Cousins, Rodgers, and then um, Stafford. So they're clearly by far going to have the worst quarterback play. Um, I don't know how you personally feel about Foles, but I'm not a big believer in him. And clearly I'm not a big Trubisky guy. Um, So I just think they'll struggle offensively. Defensively, they're still going to have a good team. Um, But in today's league, offense is so important. And when you can't have consistent quarterback play on a a game-to-game basis, that's going to hinder – where your team goes, you know. So, um, let me ask you. Thing, let me ask you this. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. 
if I say a team is 29th in total offense, 25th in passing offense, 27th in rushing offense, does the term offensive genius come to mind? Not at all. I don't understand how he got that moniker. Uh, Nagy, but or Nagy, yeah. No, not at all. Okay, go ahead with what you're going to say. I'm sorry. Um, the only positive that I was really gathering when I was doing my notes on the Bears is that ESPN FBI metric that takes the uh, over or over under for most teams and then makes the strength schedule. They have the third easiest schedule according to that. So that's one thing that Bears fans can find positive and you can look for op- optimism for. But otherwise, I don't know. I have them going six and ten. See, I have them three and thirteen, man. I think it's going to be a long year. And Oof. this is this is my thing. Okay, I hate to I hate to be a dead horse, but I'm an O line guy. Their O line was awful last year. They lost Kyle Long, who's kind of a name, but his level of play has dropped down over the past couple years. So that's probably a good thing that he's not there anymore. But they really didn't address it until the later rounds, and the guys they picked really, in my mind, aren't that good and are project guys. So, like you said, their window is closed. I think it's closed, too. I think the Bears see it as it's still open. But if that's the case, why aren't you addressing your weakness? You know, like, and then I'm not a Matt Nagy guy. I think he's the most overrated coach in the league. Um, I think that... uh, this offense just isn't clicking. I think he's a stubborn old man. That's like we're not going to we're going to do it this way. There's no adjustments. Um, and in terms of the Foles thing, I think this is already predetermined. I mean, you look at the OC they brought in, the offensive lineman coach they brought in, the running back coach they brought in. Every coach they brought in has some sort of ties to the Eagles and Nick Foles. So in my mind, this is already set up that it's Foles's job. They just haven't said it yet. And then when the Bears come out and say, hey, um, you know, we're not going to give Trubisky his fifth year, that's just pretty much guaranteeing in my eyes that Trubisky's going to be the backup. Um, and now there's a report going around that Foles may sit out this year because of COVID-19. So that could be another underlining thing to this. Um, what, it, what are your thoughts on Trubisky as a prospect in a whole? He had no business going where he should have gone uh, with one year at UNC mm-hmm. as a starter. Um, I mean, hindsight's clearly twenty twenty, but it just bat- blows my mind that they looked at Deshaun Watson and then looked at Mitchell Trubisky and thought that Trubisky was a better prospect. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah, um, but clearly hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't know. I think he's got a future as just as a backup in this league. I think this is his last year even being somewhat of a starter. Because I think even if Foles does play, they'll start with Trubisky week one, mm-hmm. and then after a couple of games, they'll switch to Foles. I mean, I look at it like this. Like Now, granted, I'm around way too many Bears fans, and their expectation is through the roof. Um, if you would have told Bears fans, hey, we're going to draft this guy, his first year, he's not going to play, Second year, he's going to lead you to a division title, and your field goal to win the game is going to get blocked. And then third year, he's going to be hurt most of the year, which he was last year. I think Bears fans would be happy with that overall. You know what I mean? Like, And I will give him credit. In that playoff game, 
that defense oh, yeah. didn't stop Foles. They got the ball back. He led him into field goal position for the win. So he did what he was supposed to do. I just think you're right. I mean, anyone that looks at anything would say Watson is a better prospect than Trubisky. And he gets judged unfairly for that. But he did put his team in a position to win. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Nagy, I really don't think Nagy helps him out that much. I think they should do more RPO with him and rely on his legs more and kind of do what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson and only give him one side of the field to look to and not survey the whole field. Also, in terms of Nagy, there was that one game where they ran the ball seven times and they asked Nagy afterwards, how much did you run the ball? And he didn't even know. So if you're going to waste a pick on David Montgomery, who I thought I had rated really high, on my draft board when he came out of Iowa State, I think you have to use him more. I don't know. How do you feel about Montgomery? He was just such a big disappointment last year. Um, I also was banging on Trump. I was like another rookie running back. He could be the focal point of this offense. And then even when he did get touches, he just, I don't know, it looked like he lost a step from his Iowa State days. Um, He wasn't making the first man miss. He was uh, not shedding tackles. Just looked... Very pedestrian at the right. He looks slow. He looks slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I I hate to use the term slow, but he just he looked like he was slow on his feet and kind of slow processing where to run, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um and then a report came out that Corey like Patterson, the guy that used who's the guy that used to play for the Patriots? Oh, Cordero Patterson, yeah. Yeah, he's getting running running back reps now. What? Mm-hmm. Like so I just I just think this offense is a gimmicky offense, and they have no, and the only non-gimmicky player they have on the offense is Allen Robinson, and they don't give him enough touches. Um, yeah. So my bold prediction is 3-13, and 13, miss the playoffs, Pace and Nagy get fired. They let Trubisky go. Whatever team Trubisky goes to, he's going to pull a Tannehill, come in midseason, oh, wow. and then lead that team to the playoffs. Wow, okay. Uh Mine's not that far in depth, but it's the same thing pretty much. Pace and Nagy are out after the year, and the Bears commit to a full rebuild. And okay, all right. Well, and then my bust is I just have the defense. I mean, they played lights out last year, and I just don't think they can maintain that. Um, Chuck Pagano, the guy that used to be the coach for the Colts, is their DC. I'm not a Chuck guy. I think. I don't really think he's that good of a coach, that good of a DC. I think people are finally going to realize, hey, I just have to run at Calvin, run at Mac, and he's not as good. Um, I think the defense is going to take a big step backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bust is uh, Tariq Cohen. I think uh, Nagy said something that he wanted to use Montgomery in the passing game more. So I think some of Cohen's touches are going to be limited. And then also, if they're using Cordova Patterson at running back, that's another wide receiver-ish type, or wide receiver type. So, I don't know. I just think Cohen will be, his touches will be cut down and limited as they focus on Montgomery more. I have Allen Robinson. I kind of feel that, hey, you're getting a more experienced quarterback, a quarterback that will air it out a little bit more, not be as conservative as Trubitsky is, and you can kind of make it, you can make a legit argument that Foles could be the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played for with. So I think he's going to have a huge year. 
this year. And also, I think the Bears are going to be playing from behind a lot and will be forced to throw more. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, my sleeper is going to be Anthony Miller. Okay. <laughs> I feel it. Oh, excuse me. Um, I feel like Anthony Miller has a whole lot of talent, but he's just been mismanaged in this offense because Nagy isn't the offensive genius that people thought he was. But I feel like with Foles and them being down, they'll have to air it out. And I feel like Anthony Miller, he's going to finally get to showcase the talent that he has. And the Bears desperately need a second option opposite uh, Allen Robinson. So, I mean, you don't think Jimmy Graham's going to be that option? Um, no, the corpse of Jimmy Graham, what's left of him, what they paid him. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like when you watch Jimmy Graham play, it looks like he's on a treadmill because he's not going anywhere when he runs. I don't understand that signing at all. He doesn't run routes well. He doesn't block well anymore. Or, yeah, so I, I don't know. But I mean, it kind of goes back to the point though that in the Nagy offense, historic is the limited amount as we've seen it. Um, they really don't use the tight end, but Nick Foles loves to throw to the tight end. If Foles isn't going to be the guy, why are you making that sign? Why are you making that sign, and also trading and also drafting the kid from Notre Dame? You know what I mean? That's just another move in my eyes that points. Hey, Foles is the guy. We're just not going to say it. Um, so now let's go to a team that had one of the more interesting off seasons: the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are twenty-eight to one to win it all, thirteen to one to win the North. Uh, Basically, 1.75 to 1 to win the North and over-under of 9 wins. Offense, total offense, 15th. Passing offense, 17th. Rushing offense, 15th. Defensively, they were 9th in total defense. Passing, 14th. And rushing, 23rd. I mean, you and I talked an awful lot about the Packers during our draft recap. Talk to me about these Packers. Blows my mind that you have this clear need to get someone opposite Devontae Adams because offense is hurting, you're hurting Aaron Rodgers, and then we have the deepest wide receiver class in recent mem- recent memory, and you don't grab a single wide receiver, and instead you grab a quarterback, which I've come around to, like, it's fine, Jordan Love, he's got a whole lot of talent, so whatever, you draft a quarterback, but then you draft a running back next. And it's a running back who is a power back, basically like Derrick Henry White, obviously not Derrick Henry's level, when Aaron Jones is this outside zone running running back. So like it doesn't make sense to grab a power running back. And then you also draft a tight end who you're converting to a fullback. Like I don't know, the Packers front office just seems very outdated in all the moves that they're making. The one uh, wide receiver addition that they made is Devin Funches, and he opted out to due to COVID, so they just have these tall trees at wide receiver that can't really separate, so that's just making life harder on Aaron Rodgers, and then also I don't feel high on the Packers, even though they went to the NFC Championship game and everything, because last year, in the 10 games that they had decided by 8 points, they went 9-1, and one, which on a year-to-year basis, you can't repeat winning that many close games, you know, so those are my thoughts on the Packers. I mean... How I look at the Packers are, A, they lost Brian Balaga, and that's obviously going to hurt. Like, I feel he was such a staple on the offensive line, their offensive line is going to go down. Um, like you said, I feel their 13-3 and last year was a bluff. And 
I kind of think this is LaFleur's move of getting more time, if that makes sense. He knows that this was kind of a bluff and this year is going to be a train wreck, let's say, because I have him going at 6-10. What did you have him going at? 8-8. Eight, eight. So I feel like him saying, hey, give me this kid to develop. Aaron's on his way out. Um, it's just him buying more time on the NFL level. Also, I found an interesting stat. Do you know who led the NFL last year in audibles called at the line of scrimmage? Was it Rodgers? It was Aaron Rodgers. So that's another underlining thing. LaFleur is an egotistical guy, as I know, and I'm sure that doesn't sit well with him. Um, I just feel there's a lot of underlining issues in that locker room. With them drafting Love, Rodgers is going to be audibling more. Besides Devontae Adams, you hit it on the head. Who the hell is he going to throw it to? Um, And I... the defense, I think, overachieved last year, too. So I just feel like this team's going to take a huge step back. Um, I have them 6-10. and 10. My um, Now, you touched, on it, you touched on it, too, with the A.J. Dillon pick. So now you have Aaron Jones in the contract year, A.J. Dillon, the rookie, who they drafted in the second round, and Williams, who's in a contract year. In your head right now, how do you see those carries being distributed? Because uh, I have I no think, idea. Like, I've spent two five-mile runs trying to figure it out, and I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, on first thought, I was going to say they're going to use up uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams through this year. But then, honestly, they might bring A.J. Dillon along right now and try to get him as many carries so he's incorporated into the offense. And uh, But I don't know. Yeah, I haven't thought too much about that. And then you have people in contract years not getting touches, not getting carries. That's an underlining issue. So there's a lot of dysfunction I'm seeing in this Packers locker room or then if Rodgers gives Love a dirty look. You know what I mean? Like I can just see the divide happening already. My bold prediction, um, 6-10, and 10, obviously misses the playoffs. Rodgers is actually benched, and Love finishes out the season as a starting quarterback. Yeah, that's my, or well, similar to my prediction. I said Aaron Rodgers becomes the new Eli Manning of New York. Because late, um, later on in Eli Manning's career, he sort of became the villain, almost, by like the New York media. And then um, he was benched, obviously, for Geno Smith. So I think Jordan Love's going to start at the end of the year, maybe start like three games as that divide actually happens, you know. I just I, I just think it's got a train wreck written all over it. Um, now, my bust, I kind of hit on the head. I just don't know what the hell Aaron Jones is going to do. I think he's a talented kid. I think he's definitely a running back one in this league and can be a bell cow running back. But with so many mouths to feed in the running back room alone, I just don't think he's going to get the touches he should get. Yeah, and he's currently going really high in drafts. So. Oh, he's going, he's going insanely high, but do you trust that he's going to be on the goal line or are you going to give it to the poor man Derek, Derek Henry? You know what I mean? I just, I just don't know how much he's going to get on the field, and if I'm having a top 10 pick, I want a guy, a running back, that I know is going to get 25 
touches at minimum a game. And I just don't know if Jones is going to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. My bust is actually Aaron Rodgers, just because I feel like that divide is going to be um, happen, as you said. And then also I feel like LaFleur, he actually got to the conference championship game, even though we both agree that that Packers team didn't deserve or didn't really deserve to be there. But that means he had success, so he's not going to stray away from this formula. He's going to run the ball. Um, he didn't give Aaron Rodgers any receivers, so I don't think he'll throw it too much. So I think Aaron Rodgers' uh, production is going to take a hit, and he's going to be my bust. And then by the time the fantasy playoffs rolls around, Jordan Love may be starting by then. So I mean, that's just – I mean, if you were to rewind time, and it was after that loss to the 49ers and you and I were talking – None of us would predict that they would have drafted quarterback and Aaron Rodgers would be going to Brett Favre for advice about how to handle this situation. I mean, that's just, that's crazy for me. Um, my sleeper, now I had to go deep for this one. Initially, I was going to say Devontae Adams, but I have Devontae Adams, believe it or not. I have him ranked number one on my rod receiver board just because I think Rodgers is going to go to him the most because that's who he trusts the most. Um... I have Jace Steenberg, the tight end, who's everyone is raving about and allegedly Rodgers really likes. And I really think Rodgers is kind of going to be a little bit of a, um, how can I say this, immature this year and only throw to the people he likes less trusts. Mm. Okay. I, I didn't think of him, but now that you mention it, yeah, I could definitely see him having a solid year. Um, I put Alan Lazard because I was like, Rodgers is throwing for at least at least 3,000-something yards. I think Adams is going to get at least 1,000 of those. And I was like, who else is going to catch the ball? Yeah. Like, so who is their wide receiver number two? It's Alan Lazard. Um, not too high on him, but someone's got to catch the ball. So he's better than MVS. And then um, I forgot the other one they have. Oh, Equinamia St. Brown. He's better than both of them. So Yeah, I mean, that wide receiver rule, they just – lacking talent. I mean, I just, I when you look at this roster, that I just don't see because the offensive line I think has gotten worse. What do you think? Yeah, definitely losing Balaga. Quality yeah. right tackle hurts. Okay, so that's gotten worse. Quarterback room will stay the same. Um, running back, I mean, I think they're still the same. Wide receiver, worse in my eyes, because there's no second target. Um, tight end room, I mean, same, right? I mean, and then defensively, I think they overachieved. I just I just think talent-wise, they're insanely lacking it, and it's going to be a long year in Green Bay. So um, let's just confirm. You, I have the Lions winning the division at 11-5. And then the Vikings at seven and nine, Packers six and ten, and the Bears three and thirteen. You got a rough year for the North. Oh, dude. Well, I I need one division that's going to struggle with how I've been playing everything else out. So, mm-hmm. I've got the Vikings winning the division at ten and six, and the Packers coming in second at eight and eight. Um, Lions coming in third, seven and nine, and then the Bears six and ten. Okay. All right. So there you have it. Uh, Sterling, we went through division by division. You gave up an insane amount of your time to do this. I would just like to thank you for coming on and 
putting forth all your knowledge and sharing it with all the listeners. Oh, thank you again so much for having me. Uh, really was uh, the highlight of my week. I enjoyed it every time. Now, um, hate to put you on the spot like this. Give me one team that is going to exceed everyone's expectation and one team in the whole NFL that's going to disappoint everyone's expectation. Oh, uh, exceed expectations. Let me think of someone who's got low expectations. I feel, how about your Lions? I feel like they've flown under the radar um, for much of this offseason. I feel like most people have forgotten about them or just, like, haven't really cared. All the stories have been on um, Diggs leaving the Vikings, as you said. Um, Aaron Rodgers, LaFleur, that drama. Yeah. And then the Bears, Trubisky, and Foles, that they've flown under the radar. They're going to be a solid team regardless. Yeah. And they're going to be competitive just like they were. And it helps have that top 10 quarterback. So I'll go with your Lions. Then disappoint. I think the Bucks' expectations are just so unrealistically high right now mm-hmm. that they're just bound to disappoint. Anytime you go from missing the playoffs to expecting a Super Bowl, bad things are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times in sports, people just get caught up with the name and they don't look at the whole picture. Um, and I really loved think... what you said about uh, Des Bryant the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people were like, "Oh, the Ravens will be so much more dangerous with Des Bryant," but that's just a name, like a thirty-year-old receiver or thirty-something-year-old receiver who's been out of the game. Yeah, it's like we just get caught up in the name. I mean, there is a reason he hasn't been in the league for two years. There is a reason why when he left the Cowboys, no one wanted to sign him. Like I don't know um, that off season. The Cowboys were on, not the Cowboys, the Browns were on, um, what's the HBO show? Hard Knocks. He just showed up at the camp unannounced to try to get a contract. That's how, that's how little teams wanted Des Bryant. And, like, teams just get caught up with the name, and I really feel that's happening with the pack, with the Bucks. So I totally agree with you on that. And you know what? I agree with you on the Lions. I think the Lions are going to shock the world. And when they go to that Super Bowl, even if there's no fans... I'm gonna find my. I'm gonna somehow find my way into that stadium when the Lions, if the Lions ever go to a Super Bowl or if they play a playoff game this year, I'm gonna find my way into the stadium. I'll have my Matt Stafford goat T-shirt on and I'll be rocking and rolling, drunk off my ass. So, thanks for coming on. Definitely gonna have you on again in the future. We'll find. Um, I don't know. Maybe do a fantasy football draft or something. Break some stuff down. But thanks for coming on as always, my man. Uh, thank you again for having me. You have a good day, man. Uh, you too. So again, thanks for Sterling for coming on. I really appreciate him taking time off his schedule. Like I said, he's getting ready for college, moving into a new place. So, I mean, I really appreciate him taking time out and coming on the show. Um, that's it for today's show. Talked about NBA, talked about NHL, talked about betting. Broke down the NFC North. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Stay safe. Be considerate of others and wear your masks. I mean, I'm here visiting my parents and the college in town. They have 38 new cases already in one week. And now they're threatening of going everything remote. So I know I've really got young people that listen to this. So come on, guys. 
if we want college football, we want sports going, we want everything to slowly morph back to normal, we got to be smart. We got to wear our masks and we can't be partying. Parties aren't going anywhere. Just grind it out. You can go five months without partying. Um, so stay safe, wear your mask, and I will talk to you guys later.